Comedians React with Jonesy and Dwayne Perkins. Today's star of the show is the GOAT, Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Jonesy and Dwayne, Dave Chappelle, 3 a.m. in the ghetto. In the ghetto. <laughs> Chappelle's special that this clip is from was the first special that I had ever like memorized. Word oh, wow. Word. Nice. Like all my buddies and... Right. In college, could repeat this verbatim. What is gun store? Gun store? Liquor store? Gun store? Where the fuck are you taking me? Killing him softly uh, was such a huge, huge influence on me, and and I think a lot of young uh, comics at that time, for sure. When I first, first ever did comedy, not the first time ever. First time ever was in uh, in Harlem at the Uptown Comedy Club, but then I used to go to the uh, Village and do the Boston Comedy Club, which is in New York. It's kind of a the Boston Comedy Club is in New York, or it was in New York. It's renamed now. And I would see him. I would go there to do open mics, and I would see him. And he wasn't famous yet, but he was bubbling. He would he would always just kill. I remember some people I worked with at the time came, and like I did all right, and they were like, who was that guy? Because he was already... But he was a kid, correct? Kid. He was younger than me, but he was you know probably young t- 20s or whatever, oh, okay. something like that. And... He just had such great timing. He would, he would come there. He was you could tell he was working on a bit. I don't know if this bit ever made it to any, any of his specials. He would first bit I saw him do was about going to the movie theater and trying to um, get a hot tea. And was a black woman wouldn't want to didn't she didn't understand why you'd order tea at a movie theater. Uh, and you really relate to the hot tea bit because I don't know if our listeners know. <laughs> right. is the, he's the biggest fan of tea I have ever met in my life. <laughs> and this is Lipton. I don't. I'm slumming today. <laughs> And so I was a big fan of his, and I don't think he even knew who I was. I've met him since. I, I still don't know if he knows who I am, but I'm, I'm, I was a big fan from then, right? So that was like a summer in the 90s, and I would just, um, he would drop by the Boston Comedy Club sometime. He wasn't super famous, but he was getting there. And then um, I realized a lot of comics were like copying him, and it was him and Attell at the time. You could tell a lot of people were influenced by them. Later on, it became um, Patrice. And so I watched him. I thought he was hilarious. And then when I really, really started to get some steam going, I kind of stopped watching him just because I didn't want to be overly influenced. Mm. But I knew something in me was like, if I keep watching this guy, I'm going to try to be like him. And I think a lot of comics are really, like I say, I said one, one episode, I alluded to maybe me influencing people Chappelle has influenced a lot of people and some people like are borderline just jacking his style swagger jacking not yep. his jokes but it's fine I mean he's yep. just he's he's inspired a generation like Eddie Murphy did yep. before him this clip is great this is uh you suggested this this the limo one yeah uh the limousine in the ghetto it's great I travel now you know I used to think DC had the roughest ghettos in the country nah nigga uh-uh <laughs> I have seen some shit now. <laughs> oh, there's some rough, rough areas outside of D.C. Yeah, everybody should go to the ghetto. I was taken to the ghetto one time. That's the worst. When you get taken and you're not expecting to go. <laughs> you know, usually you want to know when you're going to the ghetto, like, I'm going to see some wild shit. I got to prepare myself. I'm going to see something crazy. When you're taken, it's different. I had a limousine driver. It was after a show. It was late at night. It was like 3 in the morning. I had a limousine driver. He was a nice guy talking to me and shit. Oh, hey, where you from, dog? D.C.? Word? 
That's a rough city, man. And the cell phone started ringing. Hold on one second. Hello? Oh, what's up, nigga? What? What the fuck? Slow down. What? What the fuck? No! 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 Fuck that, nigga. Fuck it. I'm on my way. make a stop real quick <laughs> at three o'clock in the morning. I didn't know he was taking me to the ghetto at first. I saw looking out the window. I was like, what the fuck? Is gun store, gun store, liquor store, gun store. Where the fuck are you taking me? <laughs> this don't look good. He didn't say shit. Just pulled up in front of an old rickety building that looked like a project. Now, I'd never been there before. I'm not sure if it was a project, but it certainly had all the familiar symptoms of a project. <laughs> Uh, a fucking crackhead ran this way. <laughs> and, then, and then another one jumped out of a tree and shit. <laughs> and I said, I'll be right back. <laughs> and left me. Took the keys with him and just left me. At three o'clock in the morning, in front of a project, in a fucking limousine. <laughs> this was not good. I was like, man, I got to look around and see if I can see some landmarks and figure out where I'm at. Might have to escape on foot. <laughs> now, this is when I knew I was in a bad neighborhood. You always... I'm sorry. I just want to say escape on foot. Like, people don't understand, like, it's all about the words you choose to use. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. Like, escape on foot is like, uh, it's so lofty relative to the situation he's in. That's why it's really funny. Yeah. And the worst symptoms... Oh, I wrote that down. I wrote oh. the familiar symptoms <laughs> right, of the project. Right. I just love that word choice. It's really, you know, to talk about the projects in that kind of language, it's just the juxtaposition of that is so great. I, he, he chooses words. Before he gets into this bit earlier, I, mm-hmm. I skipped past it, but he he says something about, uh, he's trying to describe how life is kind of dull, but he chooses the word flimsy. Right, right. Um, and and so he, the choice of words that he that he comes up with is just like to choose flimsy i'm just like this guy just he really you could tell he really thinks about those kinds of words i think familiar symptoms unbelievable yeah absolutely it's just an added layer of Chappelle that you probably most people don't really talk about when they talk about his his act right right and and before he got the show i think his act outs were really underrated i mean you knew he was a great act out guy but but like the act out was amazing the phone call you know what i mean yeah I got to, you know, like so perfect, so well done, so great, yeah. on point. I, I just the love the it. crackhead, like he he made it like a horror movie, like jump. That's that's a very horror movie kind of. In fact, you mentioned the escape on the choice of escape on foot is like also like he's kind of putting us in a horror. Like that's something you hear in a horror movie, right? Right, right. Escape on foot. Exactly. Exactly. This is a horror movie, and he's painting that picture for us. And in a horror movie, yes, you should escape on foot, as he's considering. It's great. See this in the worst neighborhoods. Remember, it's three o'clock in the morning. It's three o'clock in the morning. I look out the window. It was a fucking baby standing on a corner. And the baby, the baby didn't even look scared. He was just standing there. I mean, it made me sad. It made me sad, really. You know what I mean? Because I wanted to help the baby. <laughs> I was like, mm, I don't trust you either. I'm sorry. Click. Click. 
The old baby on the corner trick, eh? We're <laughs> gonna fall for that shit. Where's this limousine driver? You know, I stop feeling bad. As time goes by, I start feeling worse. Like, man, what is wrong with me? What the hell's wrong? I'm scared of a baby. <laughs> man, this baby could be in trouble. He might need my help. I gotta do something. But I wasn't gonna get out the car. <laughs> I'm serious, man. I just cracked the window a little bit. There's an old limousine. I can roll it down. <laughs> Hey, baby. <laughs> baby, go home, man. It's 3 o'clock in the morning. What the fuck are you doing up? <laughs> the baby said, I'm selling weed, nigga. I said, oh, shit. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to buy two bags from the car. Let me get two, let me get two corners. Yeah. You know what's great about this is it's he's rocking this crowd. You can see the crowd is predominantly black. Rocking and, the crowd. And I think it's because Chappelle is a guy who can do any room. Let's be clear, right? But he came up in like um DC, black crowds, but then in New York he was doing, you know, most of his comedy like in a village and stuff like that. I remember the conversation I had with him when I first first started. I was saying, Oh, I perform at the Uptown Comedy Club. Do you go up there? And he was like, nah, they don't pay. <laughs> you know what I mean? So he was that's where he was at. That's the level uh, he was at already. Okay, okay. But what I'm saying by that is that like he's got the great it's like a, an amalgamation of sort of uh, a mainstream style with the urban quote unquote black style. Mm-hmm. And so when you com- when you combine it, it's just it's lethal. It's absolutely deadly because it's like it's the the conciseness of what you would do at a, on a on a talk show or what you would do in a mainstream room the concise sort of like set up punch to, just to stand with yep. the energy subject matter and 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 just elasticity the freeness of a black room i think people don't understand like like if you see him on def jam his first def jam he does really well but the other acts are like a little bit dirty a little bit more ghetto mm-hmm. than he is but his his preciseness and his skill gets him over, you know? And that by this point, he's got it all worked out. And it's like his skill with the subject matter, with it's just it's just a great, and, and what's beautiful is that whatever he's doing in this exact moment, the crowd isn't questioning if he's black enough, which happens. And I think why he gets over it is his accent and his what he's talking about. Mm-hmm. He's like letting you know, yo, I'm, I'm I'm in a hood too. Yeah. You know what I mean? But you could easily mistake him for like, you know, you look at half baked and things like that. He sure. just seems like a guy that's black but not like steeped in the culture. Yeah. And this kind of certifies that he is steeped in the culture. Mm. You know what I mean? Like and, and of course Chappelle leads in with saying, um, I'm from DC. You know, right, and then he right. repeats it again to the limo driver. Right. Oh, DC, that's a rough place. Yeah, right, like, oh, right. Okay. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've seen some ghettos. Well, now I'm going to take you to a ghetto that you've never seen before. This ghetto features a baby. Right. Got back in the car and rolled me a joint, man. So, that shit was scary, man. Every once in a while, like a crackhead would come up to the car and look in the window. It was like Jurassic Park and shit. He'd be looking on the car. 
Hey, get out of here, Cracky. That baby was still standing there, man. That's what then I started feeling bad again. Yeah, weed make you feel guilty sometimes. You know. Man, what is wrong with me, man? I have just bought weed from, a, from an infant. I can't condone this kind of behavior. What am I thinking? I can't let the fear ruin my morals. Did I stop it right in the middle of him buying the weed? Got to do something. It's okay. You know hey, baby. Stop selling weed, all right? You got your whole life ahead of you. He said, fuck you, nigga. I got kids to feed. I was like, God, damn. <laughs> Sad. <laughs> and just at that very moment, one of the crackheads was running across the street and got hit by a car. I know it was a hit and run. The police did it. It's all right. They spring some crack on him. He got back up. <laughs> I, love, I love the choice of the word infant. Another incident where he should... Infant's a very funny word that right, you don't right. hear people use. But you imagine he, he's like... Uh, I don't know if this is how he thinks, but I, I always think like if... I can't keep saying baby. Mm-hmm. The baby's been the punchline of... Right, of right, exactly. So many times, you know, every time he opens, rolls down the window, baby, baby. So now let me choose a different word. Infant. Right. Hilarious word, right? right. Absolutely, I, I love that. I don't know if he was thinking that, but to me, that that word pops. Absolutely, know? absolutely. And I, and the thing is, is that when he says I got kids to feed, it's it's hysterical because a baby can't have kids. Excuse me, but it's also hysterical because I think it's this feels like a story that happened on some level, and um, that person on the corner was probably ten or twelve or yes, thirteen. Yes, and so. Sure. Just playing with the with the age a little bit mm-hmm. just makes it more hysterical because even if the kid the person on the corner selling weed was 12, 14, they're still a baby. And, yep. and, and so that's why saying baby just paints the picture of whatever age they were is someone who shouldn't be out at 3 a.m. selling weed. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, uh, and we've talked about this before on, on the show where like a lot of times we're asked is in your act, is that true? Like, no, um, you know, I've in in some way I usually will exaggerate it, and it's completely permissible to exaggerate. We to say that it's a baby. We all know oh, it's not a baby, but like, right, exactly, yeah, exactly. It's probably like you said. It was probably like a ten year old, eleven year old. Maybe he's seen a kid, right, in right, the middle right. at, in the middle of the night on the corner in front of a project. It's probably something right, right. that he's and, probably seen. And but let's take it to this other level because it really ramps up the comedy. Absolutely. The thing too is that it's this hood thing, and it's. Everyone, what I was going to say is if you're from a hood, right? Like I'm from Brooklyn. I'm from Coney Island. Um, I spent a lot of time in East New York, Brooklyn, which is crazy. They're both crazy. It, 80s, 90s for sure. Um, Brownsville. you know. I used to live in, so I'm naming places that people who know these places are like, ooh, you know? But still, when you go to another hood, even if it's not as tough, be, being in a foreign hood is just, it's, it's crazy. Like- I'm comfortable enough in the hood, and you know, like he said, like you mentally prepare yourself, but you don't choose when you're from the hood. You don't choose to be in another hood, unless you're with someone from that hood, and you, you know they 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 kind of co-sign on the situation. But to be dead up in the hood that's not your hood, that's a scary thing. It's scary for anybody, and it's almost scarier if you're from the hood because you know what goes down, and you're like, shit, I can't. You know what I mean? So it's a great bit, and like. Everyone in that crowd completely relates to everything he's saying. 
and it's and but at the same time they can't guess what he's saying because he's got enough you know like it's it's a great it's a perfect pitch to relate but not completely guess like you write a song you want a song that's catchy mm. that everyone can sing along to but not so trite that people are like mm. you know what i mean it's got to have enough of like i've never heard this before yeah mixed with yeah. this is totally familiar it makes the choice of baby perfect too because the lines that are the big swinging right uppercuts right. are the lines that the baby uh, he shut real quick right. i'm selling weed i got kids to feed so what a surprise to hear you never hear those lines from a baby absolutely and, and so and he delivers it so quick they come at you point. it's such the art of surprise in those two big what i would call big right hooks right and, and is, absolutely. i'm selling weed and and oh my god out of a baby's mouth they do not see that coming and then and then which he didn't do a third one but he does a second one which is right. um i got kids to feed like wow did not see that absolutely, coming absolutely. out of a baby's mouth huge laughs from those huge laughs and applause and breaks and because you don't explain it it's funnier you know what i mean and like because it's everyone's comedic mind works differently because some people could say why are you talking baby like like a Jim Gaffigan or a Todd Barry, who's their two styles are similar. Um, Jim is a little bit more known, but shout out to Todd Barry. That's my dude. I love Todd Barry. Todd Barry says, uh, you know, his, one of my favorite jokes of his is, he goes, I don't let people smoke in my house. Correction. I don't let men smoke in my house. <laughs> <laughs> I love that joke. But like, That's a good Todd Barry impression too. Very yeah, yeah. soft spoken and slow like that. And the fact that the baby's lines are short and he doesn't explain them, it's, it's even funnier because if the baby says anything else, and, and I know this is like we're overanalyzing it just a wee bit, but, you know, bear with us. If the baby says more, then the, the audience, see, he he's knows, he's he's in their brains. He's, he's like messing with the circuitry. He's leading them to think this and think that. And if the baby talks more, then the brain will start to, like suspending disbelief will be a little harder. And eventually people are going to be like, oh, the baby said all of that. Da, da, da. Mm. So you don't even want them to go there. So yep. the baby doesn't say much. What are you doing? Something we eat. Ha ha ha. Back to me. Da, 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 da. Yep. I got kids to feed. Back to me. And so you never have to, even though he, the baby thing is an exaggeration, he doesn't give your brain enough space to be like, Come on, man. You know no babies. Like, it's not even... Because that's not what it's about. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, by, by being quick about it, it brings you back. Uh, after watching this clip, you haven't seen uh, old Chappelle, a uh, young Chappelle in a while. What are some of the major growths that you've seen? Because we've all watched those Netflix specials. What was it? Five of them or something? Right, and, and right. there is a marked difference between... Well, between you know... It's, the X. What stands out most to me is the uh, how serious he's gotten, how deep he's gone. That's true. That's true. Uh, you know what's crazy is that I think for Chappelle, the show changed a lot. I think the two milestones, as I see it, as a person who doesn't know him that well, is uh, Nutty Professor, okay? Because mm -hmm. he, he, he's done some things before that. He, he had a, a short-lived sitcom. He had Half-Baked. But Nutty Professor was like, boom. And then the Chappelle show. These two things, both, even though he was he was comedic famous because people who love comedy loved him, but those two things just just thrust him into the into the light so much that I think both times it elevated his comedy because both times 
he wanted to take back his comedy. And I'm, I may be putting words in his mouth, mm-hmm. but I'm taking this not from like, I'm seeing, seeing him on stage. And I remember after Nutty Professor, I must have been in New York, maybe with Patrice uh, O'Neill back in the day. And I remember whenever he was brought up, he didn't want you to say anything about Nutty Professor. Because it got to a point where that character he did, people wanted him to do that character. On stage. Yeah, yeah. And, and for and those viewers would, who don't, uh, may not have seen it, on The Nutty Professor, he plays a comedian at a club that's trying to make... Right, uh, that gets heckled by Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's on a, on yeah. a date and he gets heckled by Eddie Murphy. Yeah. And he acts weird and crazy he's like yeah he's, he's, he's like doing comedian. a he's doing like a deaf jammy impression yeah, kind of thing and it's just very it's very goofy yeah yeah um and and he's even wearing fake teeth i think or something he's got I like think some so kind i of, think so uh, yeah. yeah and and so then and then after the Chappelle show you get that again so when you see him do comedy now i think it's sort of like it's him taking back his voice mm-hmm. because people want him to be like you know i'm rich bitch and all of that and so I think it pushes him, it seems like it pushes him into this uber truth thing. One, he doesn't have to prove he's funny anymore. But two, he, he, you know, he just wants to, it's like you see, you see Bob Saget. You know, he's from Full House and everyone knows him as, he's, uh, what's his last name, Seaver. He's the dad. You see him live wow. and he's, he's pretty dirty. He's a, he's a dirty comic. Yeah, it's surprising. And it's kind of like, well, that's him taking back his voice, right? It's like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not going to be... Um, the guy from Full House. Every time you see me, and Chappelle yeah. is like, I'm not the guy from Nutty Professor. Also, I'm not completely the Chappelle show. Those were sketches. That was me. But this is this is me now. And I think there's a lot of growth in that. When I first saw him, when I first used to see him, and when I, when he first did Def Jam, he was super funny. But I feel like it was still like bit bit bit, like a bunch of funny bits put together. And then on on this special, it started to have some cohesion killing them softly a theme like i'm killing being me low-key standing here not super dressed up back you know this is the 90s i don't have the three-piece suit on that a lot of the other comics were wearing when they did their specials i'm mm-hmm. killing them softly and so t- today he's completely relaxed completely comfortable and you know it's weird you make me think of this i'm saying these things everything i say is completely true but i almost forget because i don't like to like score points off it but I was actually at the Gotham Comedy Club, okay? Um, the old one? On, uh... I, I want to say it's the new one. This time, he had just got back from South Africa. We were downstairs, and I was talking to him and just said, I'm a big fan, whatever. And, oh, you know, we know each other from this, that, and the third. And he's talking. He's cool. And um, and what he said to me, I think, is really clear in the, these, these last specials he did. Because we were talking... And I think I said something to the effect of like, yes, you know, it's just about, you know, you know, getting laughs or just doing what you do. It was a philosophical conversation. Conversation. I forget what led to this, but what he said to me was like, eventually you get to the point where it doesn't matter if they laugh or not. You don't care. Mm-hmm. And and I, I understood what he meant, but I would say I'm still not at that point only because I haven't. I haven't seized that. I haven't been like, fuck y'all, I don't care. Either that or I don't have the luxury to just not care. Because not caring is a luxury too. It's like all my bills are paid, my house is paid for. I'm just going to do what I want to do. That's right. Don't get me wrong. There's some people who have that even if they don't have the financial stability, even if they aren't famous. But he said that. Good luck. He said that. And I think he meant it. And I think you see it in his comedy. It's like you get to the point where you don't care. 
And I think that's why it takes us time. And it's just, it just helps with your timing, helps with everything. Um, but it is, it is a bit of a luxury, a luxury that he's more than earned. Yeah. He's more than earned. Sure, yeah, sure. Yeah. And you can see it in those specials on Netflix. He is so comfortable going a long time without a laugh. That one when he ends on, he's just telling you about a book. Right, right. The pimp book. Oh, I like, I love that story. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But he goes on and on telling the audience the whole crux of the book and the right. story. And there's minute after minute after minute. No, no laugh, really. I mean, those are the kinds of the things that he's doing now. And it's, right. it shows you how comfortable he is and confident. And, and, and he really doesn't care. It's like he's doing this for himself. Well, I think what happens is when you have nothing left to prove, then yeah. you, you buy yourself that license. And yeah. he's so well-known and so he's proven over and over again how hysterical he is. And even with those specials, he's going to be funny. He just takes his time because he's, he's, he's proven that he doesn't, um, he doesn't need to rush, you know. And I think that's a that's a good thing. But I think the only bad thing about it is comics emulating that who haven't earned that right, who are not at that point. Because the other thing about guys like him, I, I came up watching. He was above me, right? And and uh, chronologically, and and Patrice and Dane, the guys we know in Boston. One thing I was commonplace with these guys is that if it dips. You know you got that one bit, that two bits, that three bits in his case. At any point, even even bits we haven't heard, let alone the ones we do know that we all would love to hear. But at any point, if it's going that bad, and he would never do this because I don't think he would bail. I think he would just, I think so. he doesn't yep. care if he bombs. But at any point, he's got 20 to 30 bits he could do. No matter how low the energy is, how much he's quote unquote lost them, he, he's got 20 bits he can do that'll get them right back. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people, do you have that joke that's going to get them right back? And if you don't, why are you letting them dip down so much? And I think, what, and the reason why I say it's bad is what happens is people always copy the wrong things. People copy, they copy Richard Pryor, they copy the cursing. They don't copy the truth. They don't copy the, mm. the act outs. Mm-hmm. And you see Chappelle, you copy the being provocative or talking about topics that are a little touch and go. But you don't, you're not copying the awesome timing, the incredible act outs, the impeccable writing that we talked about. So the good and bad thing, whenever you reach that height, you get people copying the wrong things. And then as comics, we go out and we see all these Chappelle like dudes. Yep. And it's like, I'm not I'm not gonna give you props for not getting laughs. You're not Chappelle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like what he did was mindful and purposeful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So and that that, that also leads to the argument of you get funny first. You find your voice first. You know, people, people don't f- forget that Chappelle got funny first. Then he got his voice. It doesn't work the other way around, in my opinion. It it doesn't work uh, because who's gonna book you? Right, right. I mean, who's gonna book? You? Oh, you're the guy that's not getting laughed. <laughs> right, right. You're like, yeah, but aren't I original? No one's right, talking about the things right. I'm talking about. Yeah, that's great, no, but right, you know, right. at the end of the day, if you're not getting laughs. Especially in the beginning, uh, you know, give us something to work with because what are you bringing as far as value goes to my show? Are you bringing a name, some TV credits? Absolutely. Are you going to bake me a cheesecake? What are you? <laughs> right. What are you going to bring for value to the show? Absolutely. If, if it's not laughs, and so then where are the opportunities going to come from? Unless you're just producing your own shows, so you can do this thing that you want to do, and no one can say no. Um, right. To you. Right. Right. Um, and I, and I. And the thing is what Zoom has done and, and a lot of, not only Zoom, but certain 
places you go to perform, especially now as me being a Wiley vet, I get there and I can see that everyone's trying to outdo the other in terms of um, taboo topics or coolness or energy. And then depending, depending on what headspace I'm in, I might be there to work out a bit. I might not be there to be cool. You know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. that's cool. I came to do this one bit or whatever. And then, like, you can feel people like, oh, what is he doing? Like, this bit isn't as, uh, quote, unquote, provocative or taboo. But I'm like, eat a dick, right? Because I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is, I'm not doing something hacky. I'm just doing something that I'm designing to get a laugh in a certain situation. And I don't need to apologize for it. But you can sense the competitiveness where, you know, if Chappelle himself went to some open mics, they might be like, like even when Chappelle, one of his specials, he talked about having the, the transgender um, friend and people thought he was tone deaf. And I'm like, what can be tone deaf about talking about your personal transgender friend? So even Chappelle, they tried to put in a box. Oh, he's, yes. he's lost it. He's getting, no, he didn't lose shit. You put him in that box for your own game because you need to promote this one, that one, this one, that one. So now you're trying to sell us that he's lost it. No, he's a master at this. Sit back and learn. And to discredit him is for personal gain, and we're not falling for it. Yeah. I don't think I need to tell the audience where they can watch Chappelle clips. Um, He might be around. Yeah. yeah you might be able to find <laughs> Dig around a little bit. <laughs> right, right, right. But that, but that bit, I feel like that's just coming out one, a bit of, almost like it's coming out party. He was already yeah. funny, but I think... I think he was already funny. He was always like he was already uh, a man amongst boys. He was funnier than his contemporaries and everything. I feel like this special, but that bit, even within the special, that that like ascended him to like, okay, now you have to talk about him with Eddie Murphy, yeah, Chris Rock. You know what I mean? Like he was hysterical. He was already funny. He was on his way. Mm-hmm. That's the. It's like when when Steph dropped. I think he dropped 55 on on Miami when they had LeBron. And it was like, okay, this guy's here to stay now. You know what I mean? Like there's these moments that that propel you. And I think I'm so glad we did this bit because it's he's so in sync with the crowd. You know what I mean? And I feel like almost too, not to go on about it, but do you think there could be a part of him where he's had these moments where he was killing and the crowd was hanging on his every word and then, as a comic, you have to fight the urge now that every show needs to be that. So if he's yeah. smart, he's like, you know what? I did that. That might happen again, but I'm not going to go for that because now I'm chasing it. You know, And that happens with us. I don't know about you, but I'm sure it does. Like You, you have two shows on Saturday, for instance. First show, you just murder. And now the second show, Saturday, you want it to be like the first show. It's a whole different set of environment. So set of circumstances is later different crowd, and now you you're doing well the second show, but you're on stage feeling like you're not doing well simply because it's not as good as the first show. Mm-hmm. And so, if if you're a guy like Chappelle, who you listen, you guys want to see me kill? I've killed, and he does kill in the specials. But I just think if you chase it, then people are going to tell you're chasing it. And so it's good to see him in this this different space. But I think other comics who are not Chappelle shouldn't feel pressure to be for every joke to be provocative or thought inducing. You're like, that's great if you get there, but just be funny. Uh, maybe this is an okay analogy. Uh, but in, 
in music, to get radio play, you can't you can't be Led Zeppelin. Like Led Zeppelin's right, songs right. are too long. Right. There's a f- three and a half minute guitar solo. Exactly. Now, if you want to make that kind of music, great, great, that's fine. But don't don't expect you to have this wide release, right? Wide appeal to get mainstream radio play to make a lot of money from Spotify. Because people aren't going to play your 12-minute long song and listen to your five-minute long guitar solo, which, right, you know, this right. is this is kind of, is, it, does it, is that accurate? Is no, that's that an a, okay that's analogy? A, that's a perfect analogy. It's perfect because now if you're Led Zeppelin and you have like, um, you know, Fooling in the Rain or, you know, you got those radio hits, now you can do what you want. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, sure. And people forget George Carlin was like, had a weatherman bit and he did impressions and you know that's right just really funny stuff but more more like in the middle of the middle of the road type stuff and then as he got known he transitioned to the the, the George Carlin we know now yep and so but Chappelle did too like if you see Chappelle young young HBO comedy special yep. Def Jam he's just a funny dude you know and it there's I mean he's representing where he's from there's always some hood jokes or DC there's always that element but the, the 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 crux is to be funny, and then he it, it, it just grows and grows and grows until he gets his voice. But I think what happens is social media and marketing has just let everyone feel like everyone's importance is a little bit higher than it should be. So everyone is trying to be, you know, every, no one wants to be a basic bitch, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that becomes a problem because it's like you have to be extremely basic to not be basic. You see what I'm saying? Like, you have to shoot a thousand free throws. You have to shoot a thousand um, three-pointers. Standing still. Basic shot. And once you master that, now you can shoot off the dribble, you can move around. And I think people shun being basic. But but basic means building blocks, and you build on that. Like, Jimi Hendrix probably mastered the scales of course. before he went crazy. Jimi Hendrix learned playing Twist and Shout. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. Before he did all that crazy shit. If you haven't seen Killing Him Softly, I just assume everybody has, but maybe some people haven't seen Killing Him Softly. You can find it just about anywhere. I think the whole special is even on YouTube. Uh, Watch it and then compare it to the... The recent, the more recent Netflix specials, um, and you can kind of, they're a great juxtaposition. You can see a marked difference in him um, between young Dave and older Dave, the yeah, way he's yeah. found his voice and the risks that he takes now. And the just, I don't give a fuck attitude. It's but beautiful. But still delivers. But still, but still fun. It's like seeing when he was alive, like the difference between seeing, the difference between seeing Prince at the Staples Center versus seeing Prince at like, the Hard Rock Cafe or some little bar and he just popped up and you didn't know he was going to be there. It's a different Prince, right? He's still great, but it's a different different experience. Yeah. Comedians React is available on all podcast players and YouTube as well. Make sure you subscribe for all future episodes of Comedians React. We'll be covering comedians that I'm sure you love as well. If you'd like to suggest a comedian for us to cover, please email us at realcomediansreact at gmail.com.